Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to your D1T5 for Monday afternoon, November 30th. My name is Anthony Grassi, and we start with the big news of the day. Georgia Athletic Director Greg McGarrity will retire at the end of the year. He will be succeeded on an interim basis by Deputy Athletic Director Josh Brooks. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Chip Towers, who originally broke the news, reports Brooks will be a candidate for the permanent post alongside Virginia Athletic Director Carla Williams and former Bulldog student-athlete and current Helios Partner CEO Chris Walton. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Mark Bradley reflects on McGarrity's tenure, writing, quote, To say that McGarrity was a good servant to his university is to understate it by a bunch. Did he have his critics? Oh, yes. Sometimes it seemed he had nothing but critics. He wasn't a great politician, a slapper of backs, and a teller of tales. He's a shy guy who wound up in a high-profile job which doesn't always work. He made this work. Bradley goes on to observe that McGarrity did a good job but did not receive the credit he was due. Looking ahead, Bradley notes, quote, It will be fascinating to see how much of a role head football coach Kirby Smart wants everything and wants it now will play in the selection of the person who will technically be his boss. In football updates... The previously postponed Charlotte-Western Kentucky matchup has been canceled, as has this weekend's Minnesota-Northwestern game as the Gophers remain on pause. Michigan is pausing football activities due to presumptive positive COVID-19 tests. The Michigan insider Sam Webb reports that, quote, whether this is a momentary stoppage or something lengthier will depend upon confirmatory PCR test results. As a result of the restrictions in Santa Clara County, Stanford will announce an out-of-state relocation in the next 24 hours, according to the San Jose Mercury News' John Wilner, who reports the likely destination will be in the Pacific Northwest. Wilner adds that Stanford plans to test players eight to nine times per week. UTEP head football coach Dana Demmel explains that football student-athletes who tested positive in Houston were not on the return flight home. Instead, they took a bus back to El Paso. Demo also indicates the decision not to test in El Paso before the flight to Houston was his, and he adds it was a mistake to agree to Rice's request to administer tests upon arrival. The Pac-12 will use Connexon Safe Zone wearable technology to assist with contact tracing and COVID-19 mitigation among football and men's and women's basketball programs. The safe tags will be worn by student-athletes, coaches, and staff during all team activities, including games. The San Jose Mercury News' John Wilner cites the testing results of a USC football student-athlete in pointing out the razor-thin margins teams are working with when it comes to COVID-19 preparations. The Trojans reported that the player who tested positive and was symptomatic on November 23rd had previously received three negative tests over 36 hours prior to traveling to Utah, followed by a negative test on game day. Then, the student-athlete was symptomatic by Sunday night. Wendler goes on to note that despite the league's rigorous testing, the cadence still might be vulnerable to midweek infections. Writing, quote, If a player becomes infected on Wednesday, then he's likely to remain negative through the late week and pregame testing, but possibly turn positive and contagious on Saturday afternoon, evening, or night. Complicating matters further is the prospect of false negatives from antigen testing, which Wilner characterizes as, quote, trying to counter an eight-man blitz with five blockers. Someone's getting through, it's only a matter of how much damage is caused. In COVID hoops updates, William & Mary, Fordham, and Vanderbilt men's basketball have all paused activities due to positive cases among Tier 1 personnel. On the other hand, Stephen F. Austin has been cleared to end its men's basketball quarantine and return to practice, according to CBS's John Rothstein. Southern Miss is suspending women's basketball activities until December 12th. ESPN College Game Day is headed to Conway to broadcast from the campus of Coastal Carolina ahead of the Chanticleers matchup with Liberty this Saturday. Former Ohio State 
Florida and Utah head football coach Urban Meyer tells sports business journals Michael Smith that the conversation begins and ends with recruiting and college sports, which is why NIL legislation must be so carefully constructed and monitored. Charlotte Athletic Director Mike Hill, who co-chairs the Lead One NIL Working Group, saying, quote, While we can be afraid of the impact NIL will have, and we can be afraid of the value of an endorsement deal, the reality is that this is an above-board way for student-athletes to capitalize on their opportunities. That's why it's the right thing to do. And frankly, one of my concerns is that the proposed legislation is too limiting. One challenge, Smith notes, will be establishing and monitoring fair market values. One school of thought will set a student-athlete's market value at zero and then adjust once the first deal is made. Another approach is to have fair market value established based on similar activity by professional athletes. And that is all for your D1T5 for Monday afternoon, November 30th. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a five-star review and let me know your thoughts by replying to your D1 ticker email via the link in the podcast description or on social media at D1 ticker. Be sure to check your inbox to stay up to date in what is going on in and around college athletics. My name is Anthony Grassi, and we will see you bright and early tomorrow morning.